from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. We have to stay positive because basketball is a game of runs. Quincy Garrier saying that here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning, giving his thoughts on the team and where the team can be and where they need to go and whatnot. So my appreciation to the trio of players that joined me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning following Syracuse being 8-7 on the season after losing another close one, uh, thanks to Barama Sidibe, as well as Robert Braswell and Quincy Garrier. The team's not giving up. The team is frustrated. That's a good sign. You know, I understand people want to win, obviously, but seeing how frustrated this team is right now in the moments that they've had, I'm seeing a different locker room. And in a good way, I'm seeing a different locker room. You can lose games and you can get frustrated and pissed off and go sulk in a corner, or you can do what this team is doing right now. They want to, They say they need to stay together. They need to find leadership. They need to piece things together. Quincy is is working to be a leader now. When I talked to him at the beginning of the season, he said, Joe Girard, El- Elijah Hughes. Now he's talking about himself. Now he's trying to do it. He's trying to get there. Barama knows that there's frustration there and things need to change. Obviously, Joe Girard talked uh, a couple days ago with me and, and, and spoke about how frustrated he is and how this can't happen again. And Elijah is clearly upset about this. So there's two ways you can handle it. You can be upset and let it beat you over and over and over again. Or they can look at it and say, listen, these are games that we're supposed to win. We were in these games. We had the command of this. We let it go. We have to hold on all the way through. It doesn't mean enough to have the lead for more than half the game if you don't have it at the end of the game. So it seems like this team is getting to a place where frustration may lead to them unlocking another door, and hopefully it will. And with that being said, we open up the show to Sonny Spira. Sonny Spira is here with us inside of Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories. What's popping? List of topics for the day. Sonny is on the broadcast next up inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios to give his take on the team. So we bring him in. Sonny, how are we doing today? Uh, doing great, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing well. And, and how is life out in Phoenix, Arizona this morning? Oh, well, uh, I haven't ventured outside just yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing a little sunshine, that's for sure. Now, is is this just vacation and relaxation? What What's the uh, what's the trip for? No, there's a, I have a dental convention out here, so okay. this, is, uh, this is business, even right. though I'll get a little bit of pleasure in, because Phoenix is a little bit nicer than upstate New York this time of year, but... Uh, I'll be mostly inside. Do you need an apprentice for your your next dental convention? I mean, that's I guess. A... <laughs> yeah, we're hiring, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're here with Sunny Spear this morning, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, hanging out with us on the broadcast. Wake up call with Dan Tortori inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on thirty one fifty Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Sunny, th- this team has has had some tough moments they've had they've they, it, it, going to eight and seven right now it, it has been it's it, it's been a season of of ups and downs some people feel a lot more downs than ups I see a team that that is that is doing a little bit more now and, and maybe it's not coming across in the win column but like I said in the locker room I'm seeing 
I'm seeing more of a pleasant shift. What are you seeing from this team? I know you were at the Notre Dame game. What have your takeaways been up to this point? Well, I think they're definitely faces some adversity and uh, right across the board from coaches all the way down through. And a couple of injuries that they certainly weren't anticipating and certain guys' roles were not, I believe, what they anticipated when the year started. Um, plus, you know, they had that trip to Italy where I thought, geez, that would be a big boost for a young team coming in and having, you know, some, some real-life games prior to a lot of other teams and even some practices and some organization that that would help define some of those things. And, and I think, you know, like I said, a couple injuries and a couple things derailed some of the plans, I would think, and certain guys had to step into certain roles. For example, did we think that Joe Girard was going to be our point guard? Right. Uh, wasn't it going to be Jalen and Howard? And then Howard's health issue. I mean, there's a few things. So, I mean, coaches had to do some real um, juggling, if you will, and and getting those guys in those roles. No, not that Joe is not a point guard. I mean, he certainly can handle it, but that probably wasn't the plan uh, going into the season. And now plans change, you know. And guys step up, and he, he's a gamer. Kid's got some swagger. I love his. His, uh, I love his, his attitude on the floor. I like the way he plays the game. And you know he's he's a competitor. He's won state championships in two sports, hasn't he? So, I mean, he's, he's, he's a stud. And uh, he's coming into his own personally. And I think the other part of that, you know, is as a point guard, you're running the team. So, you know, the dynamics of it, I think you touched on it. And certain guys stepping up to, what am I going to do? What can I do to bring to the table? And that's a good sign. And, you know, this is something that we haven't seen in quite a while where we, we don't know our roles really yet or haven't really got comfortable in our own skin. And, I mean, you know, we're going to play 2-3 zone. That's a, that's a given. But there's a very definite way of how to play it. And I know that's always an adjustment for the young guys that come in because Syracuse's zone is always a little bit different and your mom and dad zone, you know, or the zone that you might have played in high school. <clears throat> a lot of people try to copy it, but Syracuse has it down to an art. So that's always a, a little bit of an issue. But I think some of the struggles that we're finding out on the other side of the ball, the offensive end, I don't think we really anticipated those. No, you know, and, and that's the thing is, you know, we've seen this team be able to score at times and, you know, to, to push – I mean, you look at the last game against Notre Dame, and I think it was three threes in the second half from Joe Girard, four threes in the second half from Buddy Bayheim, eight threes overall because Elijah Hughes added one. We know that this team has some firepower, but there's some inconsistency. I'm My frustration comes from what is the offensive scheme? You know, when I, when I played in high school, I had to know – all the nuance. We we not only had four different plays. We had nuances of those plays. If I'm calling, if if I come up and I'm dribbling the ball with my right hand, it means that we're doing everything this way. If I'm going my left hand, it means this. If I put up a one or I put up a fist, then that means okay. Now you got to remember which side am I coming down dribbling the ball on, and do I have a number one or do I have a fist? If I have a number one, then that means you got to come up. If I have a fist, that means you're going out to the wings. There were all these different pieces of it. Syracuse's offense looks like. Let's just dribble the ball and, and see who wants to shoot it. There are no plays. Is that frustrating to you as a former player that there's just there doesn't seem to be any type of 
anything. I mean, in no no type of you go here, I go there. This is what it does. If I if I go to the left, you're going to go to the right. It, it just looks like a bunch of guys playing pickup basketball, and and that's not going to win those big games. Well, I think it's uh, I think I think you're a little tough there. I think you're a little harsh on it. Um, I think they do have some plays, but it's a it's a little more subtle. And I think coach generally allows his players to play and he tries to put them in spots where they can do some things. Um, you know, that, that play where they usually have a big screen of big, I haven't seen them run that much this year, but the personnel's not, not really what it was. So last year you got Brissett here, you got, you know, the, the center down low who's going to run out, set a ball, a ball screen for him. That's big, the big screen. That was a good mismatch for certain people. So I haven't seen us run that much. Um, so I think there are, uh, you know, some different plays. They're not as choreographed as what a lot of people are used to seeing. Um, but I do think they're trying to get certain guys the ball at certain spots they could be successful with. Um, you know, that coming off the handoffs, you know, that Buddy has been successful coming up, you know, catching shoots, um, trying to get him into spots. Um, certain guys create their own shots. Now, Tyus was definitely a guy who could create his own shot anytime, anywhere. And, you know, I don't think this team has that gift, although Elijah, I think, can. Uh, I think it's a little bit harder for him because he's got a little more focus. Because off of the dribble, he's probably our best off the dribble player. Um, where Joe's not a, not a far, you know, behind that uh, as he's stepping into, you know, his own role. Uh, that I think... You know, I think like Coach talks about it quite a bit. I think is the is the inside presence on both ends, and I think we have the ability to get there. And I think Quincy, the freshman, is stepping in up a little bit too, and Coach is starting to get a little more confidence in him. I think he talked about it after the Notre Dame game that he's playing much better, playing much better in practice, and he's earning more minutes. I think he had twenty five or twenty six minutes last night. So, I think. That's a good sign. I, you know, I'd like to see, you know, I don't know why we only played six last night. I'd like to see us get to seven or eight guys. But, um, you know, I think offensively it's it's not as, you know, it's not as defined as, okay, we're going to play three, play four. But I think they run some very distinct sets to get guys different, different looks at different spots. Speaking here with Sonny Spears, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Maybe, you know, on the, on the fundamental side of it <clears throat> is where I can go with this. Not seeing Syracuse do, and not seeing screens a lot. Not seeing pick and rolls. Not seeing drive and dish. Are, are you surprised in that? You know, some of the typical fundamental things you learn as a kid when you're learning the game, to not see creating shots for each other. It seems like you have to create your own shot, but there's not a lot of help going on in that respect. And, and that's where I was trying to, trying to go with it too is not just set plays but in general we don't really see a lot of a lot of that help offense so to speak does do you see that do you get a feel for that that you know there really isn't this you know buddy driving in the lane and kicking the ball out or maybe Quincy going into the high post and then having guys go around and just kind of shift and he's looking for the guy that's going to be out on the wing that's going to be open for the shot that we're not seeing some of these like you talk about these these smaller things these nuances the fundamental things are you surprised that we're not seeing some of that uh not really I think you know, we've had a tendency in the past to be a team 
who doesn't score a lot of points off of assists. I think we had six as a team last night, as opposed to they had 20. So I, I don't think in the past that we've been very good at locating, like you say, driving the dish yeah. or fine. I think, you know, when, when, when we have that, you know, Marek flashes high and we have that back door, that's been successful for us. Um, but we don't have a lot of it or enough of it. And that's not a play that you're going to be able to get away with a lot. You're only going to get away with that if they really overplay on the wing. So, you know, I, I think we have had that reputation. We score a lot of baskets unassisted. Now, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's off a steal and a conversion. Um, that's not going to be an assist. It's going to be a steal, come down, pull up, or go to the rim. So those sometimes are not are a little misleading stats-wise. But, you know, yeah, I would like to see the ball move a little bit more and have a little more, uh, you know, opportunities that, that are created by another player. Uh, but that's not been our M.O. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, it's it's not what we're used to seeing Syracuse do, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And, and to me, it would be, I mean, and we talk about, you know, you look at, like you said last night, the, the assists were, I mean, if, if I bring up the numbers here and take a look at the total, you know, assists for Syracuse, you're right, six on one side, 20 on the other for Virginia Tech. I mean, you got to move the ball. You, you got to find each other and find these open spaces. And I understand that they're trying to get comfortable, but Quincy said that, you know, sometimes guys are hanging their heads and they can't do that. And, you know, you know, somebody makes a mistake and they're out of the play. You know, is this just, is this a maturity thing? Is this learning to play together? Because, you know, speaking with Quincy a couple times this season, he's made the statement of, you know, we have to, we have to be more consistent. We have to, not hang our heads when we do this. We have to talk to each other. We're not communicating. That was something he said to me early on in the season. We're not communicating with one another. I mean, that is that youth? Is that maturity? What is that in your opinion? Well, that's a little bit of both, but it's definitely a void of leadership, in my opinion. When you have strong leadership, communication is, is not only uh, expected, it's demanded, and it starts – on the floor, but I mean, coach is certainly, he's never been a, a wilting flower. He's going to speak his mind. So, yeah. you know, if you don't have to ask him what he thinks, he'll tell you what he thinks. <laughs> so yeah. on the floor, the players, I think have to, uh, a couple of the younger guys got to get used to that style too. I'm sure some of them have been uh, coached certain ways in, the, in their history. And certain guys have, have never had, some of the lack of success that we're starting to see a little bit right now. So how are they handling with this adversity, you know, losing and, and does losing become acceptable? And the fact that you're talking about how the locker room sounds, that's a good thing because you can't, you, you can't accept it. You can, you can deal with it and learn from it, but you just can't accept. It. You just can't say, well, okay, well they're better or not our night. You know, you can say, you know, we've got to improve. I think you've got to have the idea that you go in every game with the idea you're going to win it. You don't go in the game just to, you know, moral victories to look good and to, to, um, you know, play tough and offer resistance, you know, got a huge challenge coming up with Virginia. I mean, Virginia's a defensive stopper, and, def- and look what they did to Virginia Tech last last time they played them. They, yeah. they killed, 
you know, so Virginia Tech, kudos to them, came, you know, came on the road to the Dome and, and put together a victory, you know, when they needed one. Of course, we needed to see a victory, and I, I hope that it's not also the fact that you're saying, okay, we got to win Notre Dame and Virginia Tech at home. we got to win these games. And if we don't, we're in trouble. No, you know, and, and that's easy to say. But you can't, you can't have that mentality, you know. Going into it, okay, you didn't get the results you wanted, but have you learned from it? Have you gotten better? Have you improved? What team is going to show up against Virginia? That's what I want to see. I'd like to see us come out hungry and, and aggressive and, and, and get after them because I think they've been shown to have plenty of weaknesses that they're not used to having either. But we played them so early in the year that it showed some of our weaknesses too quickly. So I hope and I believe it will be much better prepared. And playing down there is a little bit tougher than playing at home for sure, but it's not an unwinnable game or it's not just going to be, you know, let's make a good showing. Uh, you you got to approach that game to win. No, absolutely. Speaking here with Sonny Spira, Syracuse Orange men's basketball history here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Sonny, before I let you go, uh, Jim had, had made a statement that was uh, different from his statements earlier on in the season. Now, he did say last night, he did continue the narrative after the loss to Virginia Tech, uh, something that you had just brought up. He did continue the narrative of we're just, we're, we're, not at, we're not as good as, you know, we're not as good as the team that we're playing. And so he, he has continued that narrative of, you know, we're, we're not as good. He also, but he did say this time around, I have to be better as a head coach. I have to do more. We all have to do more. So what are your thoughts on the fact that he's had the narrative this season when the team loses of, of stating, well, you know, we're just, we're not that good. And then the second part of it that now he's including himself in the blame. Well, that's a tough one. I mean, it's it's an unusual place. He's not in the spot he's he's familiar with, that's for sure. How many years have we had a winning season? I think right. it goes all the way back to when Mike Lee was a sophomore in the 70s. And it's the longest in the nation that nobody really even knew we had. Is it going on? Is it 40 years or something like that? Yeah, I mean, he's been here for 44 years, and, and, and I'm actually in the process of putting something out there to fans about how spoiled we are that if the team doesn't win 20 games and make it to the Sweet 16, it's considered a loss. And so, I mean, this this is, to your point, the longevity of success at Syracuse. You know, okay, last year was a little bit tough. This year's been a little bit tough. But more often than not, Syracuse fans are not feeling this. And, and I realized in the Dome last night, sitting on press row, I don't even really know what it feels like to cover a team that's struggling like this because I've had the privilege of seeing Syracuse be more successful than not, and I'm used to writing stories about them winning. So even for me, it was weird last night. Yeah, this winning streak goes back to before when Co- before Coach took This goes back to Danforth times. Yeah. And uh, let's see, 74, they were in the Final Four. Uh, I'm going to say it probably started at 70. So this is, you know, darn near a 50-year streak. So, so, you know, I think it was Mike Lee's sophomore year. Mike Lee, Mark Waddick, those guys, I think, started this this winning, you know, streak. So, you know, we've been we've been used to it. And so, yeah, we're in a little uncharted waters. And I think all you hear from all the commentators, you know, is I can't believe how bad the Syracuse team is. I can't believe how, how untalented this team is, et cetera, et cetera. And we can't listen to that narrative. We 
just, we just can't. And that should be something that helps the team bond, helps the team, you know, really formulate a us against them sort of mentality, because that's what everybody is saying. And, and to, to the point, it sounds like maybe coach is saying that a little bit, but why would he say that? Well, maybe a little bit. So take a little bit of heat off him. I don't know. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can guess, but that's, you know, who wants to hear me guessing. So it's really ultimately comes down to what the team decides they're going to do. Now, coach, if he's going to roll up his sleeves, which you know he is, and, and, and start to really analyze it, which I think is he's one of the best in the country at reading things and understanding and seeing a lot of nuances, a lot of subtleties, uh, and, and putting together, you know, a game plan. And yeah. putting together the you know, plan of attack. So, coaches, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach for not by accident. So, you know, he's got to do it, and he's got the probably biggest challenge he's had in a long time. And he has a sun plan, which which always adds to some of the narrative, like it or not. Yeah. And you would think, you know, no matter what, I mean, Buddy's in a tough spot. He could come out and shoot ten for ten, and then and then turn the ball over. And people can rip the kid because he's coach's son. So, and, and to his credit, he's handled himself like nothing but a professional from day one. So I give him a lot of credit. That's that's a non-enviable position to be in. So that adds a little bit to the to the narrative of our team and how that all plays out and all the, all those pieces come together. I said that's that's the beauty of coaching is finding that right mixture combination at times at situations and then playing with confidence and coach can't give you confidence you got to have confidence and that's the the biggest thing that i think that we got to start to show is some you know some moxie and, and a little bit of i don't want to call it swagger yet but a little bit of confidence and a little bit of a little bit of moxie out there and the ability to get up off the mat and come back and not just be respectable, but come back and play to win. So that's going to be the biggest challenge because there are no easy games. Right. And, and you bring up to your point and I do want to, uh, want to, to want to tell everybody what you brought up because I thought it was fantastic. And one of the best points, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations, but truly one of the best points brought up in general in our conversations are in Syracuse talk overall over the last 17 plus years that I've been a broadcaster so thank you for this 49 years straight with a with a winning record Syracuse has had 49 years straight with a winning record if we count this season currently at 8 and 7 it's 50 straight years with a winning record dating all the way back to 1970-71 season under Roy Danforth so as of right now 50 straight seasons with a winning record yeah i mean doesn't happen by accident. I mean, you got to have good players. You got to have good coaches, and you got to have good plans, good schemes, and good teaching. And you know, we've had that. So, you know, I'm not going to say let's just rest on our laurels because no, that's not going to help us beat Virginia. But you know, take it for what it's worth, and and, and do appreciate some of the greats that played well before us, before the dome. Actually, when Manly Fieldhouse used to draw a thousand people. And, and then all of a sudden they start to win a little bit and they get a little bit on the map. And, and you know, college basketball was nowhere near what it is now, but you talk in the early 70s. And 
you know, that's when it all started. And those guys, a lot of them are still around in Syracuse. I mean, Mike, I see Mike, I see Mark Watt, I see Jimmy Lee, you know, Kinger, Steve Shaw, and those guys. I mean, they're still all around there. Uh, you know, Jimmy Williams, the bug, he's in Buffalo right now, I think. So, I mean, those guys started, you know, what has continued to this day. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of pride and looking forward to seeing a lot of those guys at the alumni game against Carolina on 29th of February and reconnecting a little bit. But, yeah, that's – that's a great tradition, but you know, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that. And yeah. also, how hard did you play? And I think that was one of the things that started under Danforth was playing at a high-intensity level. Now, Coach Bayon was part of that, too, because he was assistant coach. So, you know, you can't, you can't take him out of the equation. He's been there for every step of the way, including as a player in the 60s. So, and we have all coaches that have played there. So if anybody understands the tradition of Syracuse, Nobody's understanding it more than our staff. So now it's getting those guys that are there, you know, to understand they're going to probably have to do a little bit more, a little bit more than they thought they needed to, to get there. And I, th- I think they're capable of it. You know, I'm an optimist, so I'm not going to be down on anybody, but I, I do think it's going to be a tremendous challenge. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, you and I are both optimistic at the same time. We're realistic and, you know, this this is a trying season, but I'm happy with the last two trips that I've had to the locker room to speak with these guys and how they've responded and what I've seen from them. Very different, at least as of right now, from what I saw last year, which was a very disjointed, disbanded, no nucleus, no no center hearts, no center mind type of team. They had talent, but it, they just weren't together. Hey, as we move forward here, uh, really quick here, Sonny, a lot of a lot's come from the fact that you know Jim Beheim has called this team out repeatedly, said we're not very good, we're not good enough to beat the top fifty, top thirty, top twenty-five, we're not very good, we're just not good, we're not there yet. Well, there's another coach that's frustrated in the ACC, and that's Roy Williams. His team is eight and six. Yeah, his team is eight and six, and he came out and said after the team lost to Georgia Tech, ninety-six to eighty-three. He said, quote, we stunk, okay? We were not very good. The crazy thing about it is our team, and we've had some very gifted teams, this is not a very gifted team. It's just not, end quote. Roy Williams is a sweet man. I've had I've had an opportunity to speak with him on more than one occasion, but, you know, everybody's talking about Bayheim, and now Roy Williams is out there saying, listen, I'm right there with Bayheim, and I don't, I don't, I'm not really fond of the team that I have right now. What are your thoughts on his, on what he had to say? Well, North Carolina is a different beast, though. North Carolina's used to have three or four, you know, <laughs> McDonald's all, well, it's still McDonald's, but you know, all Americans on their team. They, 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 they always are loaded for bear, and they've got three or four guys sitting there ready to take their place too. So they've always had a deep talent pool. But, yeah, Roy Williams is one of the nicest guys. I love Roy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you, you, know, any, you know, we're discounting a little bit the fact that some of these other teams are getting better, too. Yeah, They've had a commitment. They've had Coach of Virginia Tech had Buzz Williams started to rebuild that program, and now it's Mike Young, and he's stuck. You know, these guys are not there to come in and just be admirable, you know. They're coming in to build teams to compete and to compete in the ACC. So that's what that's what the, one of the beauties of conferences are, is 
nobody wants to be the doormat. Nobody wants to be that bottom half, that bottom tier. So they want to get better. So they got to get better players. They're going to make a commitment to it. Coaching, you see, even some of the facilities that are going up, and you know, help recruiting, and you know, that's that's where it's at. So the level of play, everybody's raised their level of play. Nobody's happy being the doormat. So that's part of it. So when a Carolina drops a game to a Georgia Tech, isn't that always because Carolina is so bad? It's because Georgia Tech got better too. You know, you could go back to, you know, the days when Bobby Cremens was there. Georgia Tech was powerhouse. When they were in the Final Four, John Sally, Mark Price. You could name them. Wayne Farrell. I mean, they had some great teams. They lost a little bit, but now they're, they're coming back. So, you know, it, there's not an easy game. That's what it goes to. But to your point, Roy Williams in North Carolina, the reality of it is they lost Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony's on that team. We're having a different conversation with Mr. Williams. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's another thing when, you know, he's, he was projected as a top one or two NBA lottery pick. So, you know, you don't replace a guy like that, and especially when you count on a guy like that. And when I saw him play, I mean, he was special. That kid is special. And he's not there. So that's a huge void. So, you know, like it or not, injuries are a part of the game, but they do really knock your makeup. Now, you know, if you have – you know, a couple of superstar players that are that are key components, and you drop one or two. It's not as simple as next man up, because while you might have a kid who can do some of the things, you probably don't have someone that can do all of the things. Right. And then you have the teammates who know. Listen, Cole Anthony's our superstar. He's our guy. He goes down. We have other good guys, but we don't have another Cole Anthony. So that takes. The wind out of your sails, that takes a lot off, off of your play. But I, I do think in Roy's case, he's probably tempering it a little bit. Say we're not a very good team. Now, on the other side of that, the good news is if they come back and they compete at a high level, who does, who gets the, who gets the credit for that, right? Right. He did a great job coaching. So you're trying to lower the bar a little bit. I get that. You know. But, yeah, it's not a narrative you've heard come out of North Carolina ever. Right. You know, and, and, and again – Last night, going into the games last night, the ACC had more than half of their schools with a losing record in conference play. Eight out of 15 schools were 1-2, and two, including Syracuse, including Virginia Tech, which just goes to show, in my opinion, that I think this is going to be a very, 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 very difficult run. And I'm excited about the ACC tournament in Greensboro because I think there's going to be some, I mean, people might call them shocks, you know, shock weight, but I think... I don't think it's going to be a shock. I mean, we're looking at the fact that there's only one team undefeated in the ACC, and that's Duke. Outside of that, you know, Florida State, Boston College, Louisville, Virginia Tech are three and one. There's a couple teams that are three and two: Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, and then everybody else is one and two and one and three. So I think that this is going to be probably one of the best ACC tournaments that I've covered because the 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 conference very early on here is eating each other. And I almost wonder if the ACC wants to turn around and go, let's not do 20 games next year. Let's go back to 18. But it, it, it is, I think it's going to be interesting. I, and I honestly, I believe, you know, Florida State is better. Boston College bought into Jim Christian when some people thought he would be fired. Louisville with, with Chris Mack and what he's done from Xavier. Tony Bennett's a fantastic coach at Virginia. Virginia Tech is moving on from Buzz Williams. Georgia Tech, even though they can't play in the postseason, is doing well under Josh Pastner. I love how people think Notre Dame's having a bad year at 10-4. and four. So there, there's, there's so much to be had in here. 
that I really honestly believe and I'm ecstatic about being in Greensboro in March because I think that this is going to be kind of mix it up in a ball and see what comes out. This is going to be one hell of an ACC run, I think, this year. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the best coaches in the country, and this is no slight to Tom Izzo and some of the other great coaches, the best coaches in the country coach in ACC basketball. Um, and there's other great co- coaches out there, but, I mean, there's Hall of Fame coaches up and down the block um, all around. And, and, again, I think Jay Wright's probably one of the best. I think he was just voted the best coach in the, the decade, know, yeah. 2010 decade, and, and rightly so, and I think he's he's right at the keys at top of the top. But you go top to bottom in our conference, and we have the best coaches in the country. Yeah, you know, and I think it's clear, and I think it's going to be fun, and I look forward to it. Sonny, I know that you have to be in sunny, pun completely intended, Phoenix, and I know that you have a very tough life out there without snow. But, you know, when, when you go to Cabo or, you know, you're, you're off in Hawaii or Orlando or wherever these beautiful thing, the, these beautiful conferences will take you, you know, I have good teeth. So if you need me to just sit there and, and you know, I don't know, be a model of teeth, whatever, whatever makes you happy, Sonny, I'll be more than happy to, to pick up your bag and, and carry the suitcase off to Phoenix next time you go out there. Okay, Dan, I'll tell you what, in April I've got a conference up in Watertown. You're welcome to <laughs> you know, I, I love where our friendship's gotten me. I really do. <laughs> but as always, Sonny, I appreciate it. And all jokes aside, thank you for everything. Please travel safe and, and have yourself a good time out there. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. All right, have talk to you soon. All right. Take care.